You're listening to the Beyond Digital Education podcast with me, Nathan Johnson, and my co-hosts, Carl Kaczynski and Rami Bassi. We hope you enjoy the show. What would be interesting is I hadn't quite consented when I started saying that. So if my voice is on that recording saying that, we'll know that it starts recording as soon as you hit record, even before I hit consent. Yeah, but I mean, and, yeah. that, and then that's an interesting topic as well in terms of consent. Um, both from an academic perspective and a student perspective in terms of kind of video and um, creating videos, lecture recordings. Oh, it's all really interesting. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, I, and I, I said this before and I'll say it again in terms of we always, we always come online and we have these really, really interesting conversations um, before, before we start the recording. And yeah, as you said, Remy, you press record and then, it's kind of like um, was it a deer in the headlights, and then you've kind of every every sentence you check in. Okay, did I did I reference someone? Did I reference something that I shouldn't be referencing? How what am I going to talk about? Kind of in the near future, and how do I weave that in a way that doesn't lead me down a path where I, I have to I have to kind of implicate something. Um, um, I think it's also higher stakes. As soon as you hit that record button, um, kind of that's out there almost forever in a sense. Um, so anything we say, like, you know, someone can track back and say, well, you know, you said this before and now, now, now you're suggesting this. Um, and also there's a kind of camera shy. I mean, we know from the studio, there's, there's a kind of camera shy element. We can, we can be there with someone who's really articulate and, and really energetic in, the, in their style and really approachable. And then all of a sudden you hit record or you tell them it's recording and it, like the deer in the headlights uh, thing that you just said. And all of a sudden the, the personality drains out of, out of that person. I'm like that. I'm kind of, I don't know when I'm, having the interviews like interviews or podcasts with you I, I i maybe because it's more like conversation conversational style i don't have that um camera freeze but when i'm recording a video for educational purposes or things like that and i have the you know the phone on pot, uh, tripod or whatever as the moment i hit the record button i'm like what the hell like what do i and i've got script in front of me I can read it and I'm like, what do I do? Like, I want to sound articulate. I want my personality to be there. But yeah, it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of weird. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's, keep, let's try and keep this civil. So I'll, I'll, I'll keep the jokes out of it around the personalities. Oh, no, that's um, fine. You, you, can, you can joke away. <laughs> I don't think any of us are precious here. Yeah. Um, I, guess, I guess, so we're probably going to take a... Um, deviate from the normal way that we'd produce this and I kind of thought like a question could be um, what's on your mind kind of at the moment in terms of some of the work that's coming up um, some of the things that are happening and your thoughts on that Um, I mean Remy you sent sent us uh, an article around oh no um, kind of ensuring quality when we're moving content online and I guess that's that's been quite a big kind of um, project for us at the moment um, with all of all of the delivery becoming 
bimodal, and I guess um, by the term bimodal, my understanding of that is that the experience, the on-campus experience will be kind of replicated online. Now, I'm, I'm still not entirely clear, and, and I'll say this now, um, we don't have all the answers, um, and we don't know everything, and there, there's always going to be stuff that we're, we're not quite sure about. Um, and in a week, two weeks' time, we may have more information about that. Um, but at the moment, yeah, we can only really speak from from what we know and our experiences. And I think we really welcome any kind of any conversations, any discussions, um, pointing us to some really good articles um, that can further our understanding of these different topics. So. Um, yeah, so the article in question, uh, I think it's worth mentioning, is How Can We Assure Quality in Online Higher Education, written by uh, David David Lefebvre, um, who is at Imperial College London. It's been uploaded to HEPI, and part of his um, sort of conversation is around the speed at which this is being required to happen. And um, going back to what you're saying about the bimodal delivery, I, I think at the moment, perhaps one of my worries is we're almost focusing too much on trying to replicate that classroom setting in by the use of digital tools rather than thinking about we're thinking about the setting too much and not thinking about the teaching and the learning as much so um within that lecture what are the other things that the lecturers do and, and D david david talks about it in his piece uh where where he says like lectures aren't sort of um, just straightforward talking through it's it's lots of other things that happen in the lecture um, my worry with the bimodal is it's all kind of getting forgotten and a bit too reactionary at the moment yeah, I think some of some of these things are taken for granted in in kind of a I want to say real world but kind of in a face-to-face -face lecture just in terms of you don't have to spell stuff out so I was, I was having a conversation yesterday around kind of ongoing technical support um, with conference tools. Um, and it very much was, we need a kind of a technical minded person to support conferences. Um, because yeah, the academic can't, cannot do that within, within that role. Um, but I guess my point was, how do you do that in a, normal lecture scenario how do you manage that room so for example i guess you can draw the parallels so someone turns up um, can't open their book so uh, you have a conference can't open their or can't put their mic on or just can't open it do you spend time with that one student when you've got 300 other students or do you tell them okay you should have prepared for this i i kind of give you gave you all the material beforehand so it in one scenario it's the academics role and yeah yeah i think it's kind of taken for granted all of the different types of things that they have to do because it's natural whereas when you have to kind of think about it in that online environment it's kind of it's digital at that point it's not my job because it's digital some of the things that i'm asked, being asked to do Whereas actually it's, it's not, it's not really, it's just the same thing, but in a different scenario um, and in a changing world, I mean, we all have to change. So uh, for example, if I was to kind of 
do exams or in the past or papers it'd be paper-based it may have been mailed now it's all online so the role of the administrator has moved from that paper-based to the digital to the online and we've all had to change with that and i think with the kind of the increase in um conferencing tools i think we'll all have to t play our part it won't be one person's role it won't be the technical role the academic will have to do or the tutor will have to do their part the administrator will have to do their part we'll have to do our part um but i don't think we're there to a point kind of where everyone understands their roles um, and exactly what is entailed within that delivery. Sorry, I think I, I think I may have taken that kind of um, away from your point, Mummy. Sorry. I think Nathan that you are actually really, really the the point that you made was really interesting, and I think that bimodal delivery actually we focus too much on technology and use of the digital world and you know the fact that everything goes online it doesn't mean that the teaching needs to be all happened online and it, for example i had the conversation with an academic yesterday that we were talking about this very issue and we were thinking about um, about this issue from kind of accessibility and inclusivity point of view. So you have people who, you know, in the bigger family households with caring responsibility and things like that. And for example, they might have only one PC uh, or one laptop and shared between two or three people. And I think we can't expect that all of that teaching will take place online. I think we need to really be trying to adopt that more hybrid model. So for example, when we uh, design activities like um, reflective activities or this kind of things, you know, it's okay to use piece of paper and pen to jot down your thoughts. It doesn't need to be online. And when you have conversation, a lot of conversations that I had with academics, it's like, oh no, we're gonna go online. So everything has got to be online? No. You know, we can still use old school methods like piece of paper and pen, and you can tell to your students that, you know, if you want your teaching to take place, or if you want that learning to take place, it doesn't need to take place only in your room, providing, you know, for some people it, it, it might be very busy environment. You can go to the park, take piece of paper and pen, think what you need to think about, you know, get your phone, read the article on your phone, and then just sitting on the bench and write down your thoughts and reflect, you know, reflect. Um, and I think, uh, sorry, just to finish it off. And I think that the change in attitude will come with reflection. And I think this is very new concept for everyone, for learning designers, instructional designers, for academics, and everyone is like panicking at the moment because we don't have like established procedures. And that bimodal delivery, I think is completely different to like established online practices that we were doing for distance or blended learning courses before. And we still need to learn this and we need to really monitor our practices and students' engagement to you know, come up with good solutions. So I was just gonna make the point of it, like, uh, kind of agreeing with you, Carol, not everything needs to be online, but even the stuff that is online, if you're asking someone to sort of digest a case study, 
maybe two or three minutes needs to be online and then they're just reading it and thinking about it and a lot all of that thinking happens offline when we um, think about courses the amount of teaching time is one thing but you expect the students to go off and do their own learning in their own time the majority of most of the courses that we work on certainly uh, kind of the students should be self-directing um, also uh, you, you could think about uh, different ways of, of adapting those so even if it is online do you need a video or would an audio recording do usually someone can just download the recording if they've got limited access to, to PCs they can download the recording and listen to it on the train or, or something like that because it's, it's there on their phone then and it's no longer online um, there's, there's this uh, kind of um, almost maybe false impression that just because it's online, they need to be online for the whole time that they're doing it, even with our own jobs. So say, for example, if we were uh, designing some sort of interactive graphic, most of that work happens offline on a piece of paper with a pen to begin with. Like it's, it's drawing it out, storyboarding it, designing it, redesigning it, refining it. And then you know, obviously you then move to, to the online part, but all of that work that goes in beforehand is offline. And then the QA, you know, there's the QA of the test, sort of like the testing it, but has it worked for the students? All of that is kind of like focus groups, evaluations. That doesn't necessarily need to be online. Um, so, yeah, there is this kind of perception, I think, that it's online and everything then needs to be online and everything needs to be a Zoom conversation or a recording and synchronous. But actually, there are different ways of doing this that is, is just totally different to that, which you've obviously suggested as well, Carol. Absolutely. And one of the things that I, you know, that teaching and learning is all about coming out of the comfort zone and pushing that, that boundaries. So if you want to be effective learner, you've got to challenge your own attitudes or your own perception in the subject and discipline. It's, you can't gain new skills, new knowledge without pushing yourself and coming out of your comfort zone. And sometimes the knowledge that you are you know you're learning it, it challenges your own perceptions and your attitudes uh, and that might be very challenging and that is very thought-provoking process and it's it's time consuming when you can't expect that you will be doing that having the conversations with people all the time and connecting on zoom you need some you know sometimes you just need to sleep with this and it will take time before you digest it fully and understand it and the way I like to look at this is actually, I, I like that uh, Bloom's taxonomy pyramid that you've got those lower level cognitive skills like knowledge comprehension and going through, uh, you know, through the pyramid to, to like uh, critical evaluations and all of that. That's the journey. And for, for the students and for everyone to go through that bottom, that bottom level of the pyramid, you know, to the top, that takes time. And that's, that's the time that you need to reflect upon those skills and knowledge that you learn. Because if you, if you just memorize everything, if you just like get it, sometimes it's, there is no challenge in this. So you, you are getting empty sentences or you are getting empty words, but do you really understand it without reflection? Are you able to understand and comprehend something and really digest it if you don't reflect upon this, if you don't give yourself a quiet time? And can you have that quiet time if you are online all the time?
Yeah, I was, I mean, I was just going to bring it back to something that when we were talking about in terms of audio and video um, and just highlight um, accessibility and the EU accessibility um, directive and just the idea that we're in, I mean, I've personally done um, kind of workshops, training sessions around the new, the new EU kind of directive and what that means for online, what that means for kind of the development of content. And now I guess we've been thrust into this new world of, okay, you're all online, everything you do, well, you um, blended. But I think the, the whole idea of kind of making it accessible has kind of been put to the put to the back slightly. And I and I and I get it. I get it. Number one is get the content. Number two is okay, let's make it accessible. Um but from my my limited experience, number two never happens. Um number one kind of let's get it on and then we move on. Um, and I'm just concerned there's going to be a lot of students kind of in in their homes there's going to be a lot of students kind of in these kind of isolated areas trying to consume this material um, without having that direct contact with someone so whether it's in a lecture saying looking over oh, can, I, can I have a look at your notes because um, I'm struggling to keep up with this um, or yeah just asking the tutor afterwards I guess without that kind of face-to-face -face kind of direct communication some people or more people just be left to suffer in the dark on their own and there's so many there's so many people that just don't speak up about the struggles that they have um, and I just fear that there's going to be a, a, a bigger bigger silent kind of majority that may may start to struggle that that's just that's just me being a, a doom bringer if, if you could call it that um but yeah what are your thoughts on accessibility and kind of moving forward i think uh, nathan, I, that, oh sorry i think that nathan that you are absolutely spot on with what you've said and i and again i don't have any solutions and i'm not proposing anything but is and it's just my interpretation of you know certain policies and practices that we are doing in you know, AG in general that a lot of the accessibility stuff policies and procedures are just policies and procedures and they are abstract for people who read them and follow them so to me you know someone might read okay you've got to caption your product video or you've got to caption your videos that's it and this is the as far as the accessibility goes but actually if you dive deeper into that and thinking about the inclusive practice and thinking about those broader issues that students might experience, is that legal uh, requirement for ca captioning videos enough? Of course it is not, but in, the, in my opinion, and this is only my personal opinion, and I might be completely wrong with that, I think the only one way that we can actually start improving the situation is working in collaboration because you know, I'm only human being. I've got very narrow perspective. It's only my perspective. And when I'm designing course, the only one thing that I can think of, and I'm trying to make it better for students, 
for, for academics or for anyone who is using that course, I'm bringing only my perspective. But as soon as I start working with you and with you and with someone else, I've got more perspective. And if I'm open for that, I actually can start bringing, you know, building more inclusive and accessible environment for everyone to benefit from it. And then if I give students space to save space, to vocalize their needs, I can add their perspective as well. So it's not about being perfect at the beginning, but, and, but acknowledging that, you know, I'm not, I'm not perfect. The practice that I'm doing is not 100% great and there are still elements to learn. And I've got so many people that I can collaborate with and improve my practice for benefit of my students. I think, I think that's the key to, to make, you know, to make that landscape better. But as I said, I might be completely wrong and that's only my opinion. And this is something that I try to practice um, so APGAT, um, who are the all-parliamentary par all-party parliamentary group for assistive technologies, um, who who kind of uh, heavily influenced this new accessibility legislation, published um, an update um, uh, a couple of weeks ago. So we're talking May, end of May, 2020, um, where they're quite hopeful about the opportunities that COVID-19 has presented uh, in terms of getting people to um, engage with accessibility issues. I'm a bit more cynical, if I'm honest. I think almost it's the opposite. The scale at which we're getting materials online and the way in which we're getting materials online. So live Zoom meetings, for example, don't lend themselves particularly to uh, people with, um, for example, hearing issues. Um, I know they have some sort of subtitling features that are available. Um, I'm. It pains me to say this, uh, but I think we, as well as training our staff uh, in, uh, in what the legislation is, so uh, I, along with Nathan, have been along to a lot of these sessions where you're training staff and teaching them about the, the new guidelines. Um, but it, the, the bit that pains me to say is I think possibly we need um, a technological solution for this as well. Uh, and I, I hate it when we just think about the technological solution, but subtitling, auto-subtitling, because of the scale of... Um, the videos that we produce needs to be a lot better in order for, for academics to go in and fine tune their, their materials. Um, but there's another issue for obviously um, uh, vision, imp vision impaired people in terms of audio description. And I, I almost can't even get my head around how we're gonna manage that process. Yeah, Nathan, sorry. And I just wanted to add, kind of add to that point in terms of automating processes and I guess my kind of um, I don't know my point would be you don't have to you don't necessarily have to automate all of these processes sometimes there are other processes further down the line that you could automate that would make this easier so you could divert people's time um, elsewhere so for example, um, administrators having to answer lots of questions from students. We have a colleague that is kind of producing chatbots at the moment, looks amazing. Um, I'm so impressed with the work that he's doing. And that kind of frees up time to be able to kind of work on other things. 
So the idea of, yeah, automating the kind of the subtitle in the caption frees up time. So if there's something that we struggle with a technological kind of, um, I don't know, uh, way forward, there's always the case of, okay, we've freed up lots of time. Let's jump on this. Let's get this sorted until we can figure out how to solve that issue uh, with technology. Because a lot of this stuff is is administration. And I'm not saying the administration needs to do it, but the subtitling of a video is is administration. It's not technical. It, it's something that can be automated. It doesn't need a person. It has historically needed a person um, because it costs a lot of money to do it. And a lot of the kind of captioning services are not that great. And when you bring that into kind of a, an academic uh, environment when you've got lots of words that may not be used elsewhere the kind of the change of that one word could change the meaning of of all everything that's being said so if it doesn't understand this really complex word then it's just not going to understand the whole of the video so I think it's, it's quite critical in this area that we kind of get it right that we have a process whether that is someone double checking whether that is all automated we get to a point where it's kind of 95 99 100 um, percent accurate never going to be a hundred but I just throw that there for you um, I think yeah there is a place for just yeah automating all of these administrative roles um, and then we're able to spend that time more effectively doing the role that we should be doing, um, kind of teaching, advising, um, working with learning from other individuals on how to create all of this content, working, collaborating with students. We need to be spending our time doing that rather than transcribing an hour long video. Um, I mean, we've all done it, we've all sat there and transcribed stuff. Uh, Rummy's created some some ingenious methods of trying to transcribe, but then we hit the copyright, um, and it's all it, yeah, it's all it's all interesting. Um, and at some point, it'd be good to get our colleague on to talk about kind of AI and the future and some of the ways that kind of it's changing and we can support that change. Um, yeah, sorry, again another rant. Well, what I wanted to do is I didn't want it, I didn't want this all to be doom and gloom. I didn't want it all to be negative. So I kind of thought one thing that you're pleased with. Sorry, I didn't. Um, <laughs> sorry, I didn't tell you about this beforehand. Um, but yeah, one thing that you're working on that you that you're pleased with at the moment, and that's working well, Remy. Uh, well, uh, so I'm working on uh, something which is called the um, COS uh, Digital Webinars um, and the uptake for that, you know, it, it's been quite good. It's been really positive. It's academics leading academics um, for the most part. And uh, it's just really nice to see them all kind of getting involved and helping each other out in quite a tough time. It's that community spirit that obviously we've, we've tried to foster quite a lot in the past, but COVID-19 has um, obviously um, catalyzed this you know it's, it's really pushed people to uh, get in there and help and get in contact with people that they otherwise wouldn't have been in contact with 
Um, and, uh, you know, I'm keeping quite a close eye on, on this whole module at the moment. It ties into uh, something that Caroline and I have been working on with remote teaching as well. So just that whole uh, momentum is something that's really pleased me. I'm going to say very similar sort of thing to Rumi because uh, we've been working with a remote teaching resource. <clears throat> and that gave me such a, so many opportunities to liaise with people from different departments across the whole university. That is unbelievable. I've never been exposed to so many wonderful individuals. So I'm working like with digital leads across the whole college, with um, the whole university, sorry. I'm working with academics, doing the interviews with them, sharing the best practice. Um, you know, I'm even working with, I just started working and collaborating with IT very closely. So we are implementing some uh, new platforms for video capturing and, and, and things like that. And even though those, and you know how it looks like sometimes, you know, there is a new software or a new platform that is being implemented at the university and we don't have trainings available, like in terms of the, how to use this pedagogy, pedagogically. And we created a working group that they, um, we work in, in collaboration with IT. So there is a great chance that we will have the training for the pedagogical use of platforms on the moment of its launch, official launch for the university. So by the time IT will release it to everyone, we, we might have training already for academic and professional staff, how to use it and how to apply it within the lectures or anything like that, which is, which is great. And the work on this is, you know, at this unprecedented time, it's great because the time, everything is moving so fast at such a huge pace and working and finding the time to collaborate with those individuals is just phenomenal. So I'm really grateful about that opportunity. Uh, yeah, I guess mine mine is similar, um, and it's just the fact that everyone's just coming together. So holding sessions for administrators just around the changes to the tools um, and some of the things that they're going to have to do. Um, talking about our team and our role and the support that we can provide, and just the idea that you can you can sit at your desk in your office um, and you probably wouldn't have interacted with as many people as we have at the moment um, and just the fact that everyone is is coming together for that common goal which is the student um, which it, it's so nice it's so nice to see that people care um, and it, it I guess it, it's always the case it's hard to see in a big in institution where there's lots of silos, everyone's doing their own thing, everyone's working really hard to make things right, but there's not a huge amount of communication around and collaboration. Um, so it's quite nice now that actually we have to, we have to be talking to each other, we have to be working together and it's happening and it's and it's looking good and it's working really well and i just hope that this is going to be kind of that that change that continues once kind of everything eases back to some kind of normality um and that yeah we can just keep those links really tight and work together really effectively 
Um, I'm not sure how long this is. This has been going. Um, maybe a little bit too long, but it has been really interesting. Um, and from this, I mean, there's some really interesting things to talk about. I think I'd quite like to touch on um, usability and kind of user experience at some point. But we'll leave that because that could get that could get big as well. Um, but yeah, if if there's nothing else that anyone else wants to kind of say, I think. I'll say thank you, Carol. Uh, thank you, Remy, um, for joining. And thank you very much. We'll see you on the next episode. I think it worked really well. Thank you. Cheers, thank bye. You. You've been listening to the Beyond Digital Education podcast. If you liked what you've heard, please do listen to more of our podcasts and please do engage with us on the topics we've raised.